And welcome to another episode of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends sit... Uh, no, wait, hold on. Wait. I always do this, and I choke when I do a mini. Just three friends sit down just, with Do you still do the same intro? Yeah, I did, I, yeah I, because, because like that is what we normally do. Trouble. Yeah. Do you do the same spiel every time? Usually. Usually. It's a mini? I mean, there's like slight okay. variation. I don't know that yeah. I'm saying all like verbatim every time. Yeah. But it's generally... Where three friends sit down with a trouble movie and a theme cocktail to talk about where what they liked, yeah, what, what they, they, liked, liked, what what they, they didn't, didn't like, and how they would fix and it. And how they would fix it. We're back with it. And then, and then I just say, like, yeah, this but week this is a mini yeah, episode. Yeah, but this is a mini episode, so blah, that's blah, blah. Every, That's what I was, that's what I, I made a face that you might have seen me make, and I was like, what do I do there? And then I instantly doubted myself. I feel like I it's, it's one of those things where if you think about, it's like tying your shoes. If you think about the steps too much, you can't exactly. compute and do it. Exactly, I can't remember what I was saying. All right. All right. Let's start over. Yep. And welcome to another mini. <laughs> One second, just let it go. And welcome to another episode of Why Should We Watch This, the podcast where three friends sit down, watch a troubled movie, have a not so troubled drink, sit and talk about what was, <laughs> what was bad, what was good, and how we can all do it better. Yeah. Woo! We're here with another mini episode, and I am your host for this week, Lee Delahanty. I'm Chris Ravel. Brendan Drischler, same moi. <laughs> and we are here to talk about uh, the movie we're going to be doing in two weeks, uh, and doing a little discussio topic. Yeah. Uh, so, the movie we'll be doing in two weeks. Deceased once more. Deceased <laughs> yet again. Yes. Yet again, comma, deceased. 1991's Dead Again. There you go. A neo-noir romantic thriller, according Ooh, to Wikipedia. Sounds Ooh. sexy. Directed by Kenneth Branagh and written by Scott Frank. Starring Branagh himself and Emma Thompson. We got a joint. Yeah, the joint. <laughs> the, the joint. joint. <laughs> as well as uh, just a, I mean, a cast. Uh, Andy Garcia, Derek Jacoby, Wayne Knight, Robin Williams. Somebody who's Wayne Knight? Wayne Knight's in this? Great. Yes, he plays. You didn't see that? I didn't. I wasn't paying close attention to the credits. He so. plays a guy. I think he's literally called like the Whistler or something. All right. Because he's got like a gap in his teeth and when he talks, it he like, whistles. Yes. Yeah, great. It's really ridiculous. That's beautiful. I'm there. Great, great character game. Yep. <laughs> no notes. <laughs> yep. You have seen this one, Lee. Yeah, I, I've yeah, seen this one. I've movie. not. I saw the first three minutes and 30 some seconds of it. I see. And we'll have to continue it at some point. I don't think I have ever seen this movie. I've seen I'm a, excited though. I've, I've done a, almost a full Bronog World Tour. I like yeah. Brana. I like. We were talking about Thompson even more. This is a very. This is going to be spoiler. A very Bronock heavy year yeah. for us. We're doing a, a lot of Bronock films, and so he he did direct this, correct? Yep. Okay. It's the year of Bronock and the year of Hudson, and also because we'll have a summer theme coming up that will incorporate some Bronock as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know, I, I guess uh, we'll be we'll be covering our 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 summer theme in a future mini episode. Yes. So we won't be there yet. But anyway, top secret. What yeah, are we top gonna, secret. Hush hush. What are we going to sip? Yeah, we're going to sip a drink. <laughs> Called the Chain Smoker. It is one ounce of smoke whiskey, which we will smoke ourselves with my smoker, smoke, smoke. <laughs> Four ounces of cold brew coffee, strong. Half an ounce of birch syrup. Half an ounce, or sorry, one ounce of cream and Creole bitters. Lock the half down in Nolens. Nolens. As you can tell by my spot on accent work, I'm it's, from Nolens. It's going to be an episode of Foghorn Leghorns for sure. <laughs> the, yeah, say, sir, you just add the whiskey, coffee, and birch syrup oh, to a shaker with some ice. Shake and strain into a glass over more ice. Top with cream and add a dash of bitters for that Nolens smoke. Mm. I'm excited. I That's think it. it. I think it is going to be yummy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going to be smoky and coffee, which is a good combo and uh, something we haven't gone to for a while. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's a shame that we're not making this drink for coffee and cigarettes. <laughs> 
would actually be really great. I feel like it would just be like coffee cocktail with like as smoky as you could fucking right. make it. Just, just like, like overnight, leave the smoker running. Or like <laughs> you put literal like you put literal ash into the coffee ground. <laughs> yes. Our secret ingredients, yeah. my yeah. cigarettes. Oh, <laughs> um yeah, really excited. Um, I'm really excited to see what neo-noir means in this context. <laughs> yeah. If, if Wikipedia is at all accurate when it says it's neo-noir, I guess we'll see. Yeah. All right. So we're talking about hot cakes. Hot cakes. The hottest Guys, cakes. I made some... Hot cakes. Hot cakes. And, and I'd like us all to try them. Which are what my, <laughs> taste what my grandfather called pancakes. Yeah. Hot cakes. Did he really? Yeah, I always called them hot cakes. That's really cute. That's yeah. what McDonald's calls them, apparently, too. Really? Yeah, hot cakes. I like never noticed. Yep. No, I wanted, I wanted to do a mini episode. The idea that I had was, because I have some of these, and I think we all have some of these, but I had specifically had one that, uh, that had hurt me on that day that I pitch this idea was yeah. <clears throat> that we all ha- uh, share an opinion that we genuinely believe it could be about movies media specifically it could mm. be you know I'm, I'm not open to being of other things and you're allowed to explain it but first you have to expect like you have to deliver it initially in mm. the most outrage inducing way possible well, you can expound after let me get my creole bitters yeah. to spice off you the know <laughs> start the clock yeah, get out the habanero. All right, so Lee, do you want yeah, to do first. first to just like show us an idea of what it is that we're expecting sure. here? I can't wait for cinema to die. <laughs> can't wait. Love that. Beautiful, beautiful opening salvo. Please elaborate. Um, so people talk a lot about like, you know, movie theaters, culture is dying. Like The death know, of cinema. The death of cinema. <laughs> um, I don't give a shit. So here's a thought. Here's thought number one. Narratives and the way we tell them are evolving. The way that we consume them has to evolve with us. I agree. Thought number two, similar to how I think that it's important that libraries store DVDs and that we store the way, you know things the way they used to be done, I think it's important that museums and movie theaters exist in a cultural heritage fashion so that the experience of going to the movie theater can be relived for future generations for mm-hmm. experiences like, you know, going to Coolidge Corner and watching, like, a f- you know, a movie that you never would have had a chance to see normally in right. the theater, like Indiana Jones or something, um, or, or any movie, you know, like... But, I, but what I am so done with is just, like, going to see every movie released in theaters. God, I don't want to do that anymore. I hate <laughs> when a movie comes out and I have to, like... Like, we're starting to hit that point now where they come out... And it's like only in theaters, and I'm like fuck you, <laughs> bring back COVID for fuck's sake, so that I can just stay home. Lee's anxiously working on a variant <laughs> in her bedroom right now, and watch it on my goddamn laptop in bed over the course of two to three nights, as I am accustomed. That's the way the to director intended. Movies, yeah. Any director that wants to come at me for the way I watch movies can fucking hit me up in my DMs. I don't give a shit. I I watch movies a very different way. And I don't think I should, like, I don't mind going to the movie theaters all the time. I think it's a, it can be a fun social experience. But sometimes I just want to see a movie. And for me, if I want to see a movie and nobody else wants to see it, I'm not the kind of person that wants to go see a movie by myself. Right. So then I'm just like, well, fuck. I just, I just wait. I, I think it's interesting how you put that, too, of just, like, how we consume this media is going to evolve. And I think it's interesting how a lot of times when that evolution happens, whether it's in media or in any other sphere, we have this tendency of characterizing it as some kind of loss or some kind of deficiency that we're engaging in. Yeah. Of like, we used to do it this way, but now we do it this way, which is inherently bad. Yeah. But I think it's just like, it happens. This change occurs over time. And I will not, if you, if someone tries to come at me with some sort of like, oh, you didn't experience it. If you didn't watch Gravity in the theaters, 
you didn't see it the right way. Like, I'm not going to give you the time. Are you throwing confetti, Chris? Uh huh. Chris is throwing dick confetti. Yeah. Again, penile, penile confetti. Yeah. Thank you for taking Um, full advantage of the visual medium. You're welcome. Yes. I will. I will happily brag about watching, you know, James Cameron's latest movie on my phone. Yeah. I want to. Gravity was better in theaters. I, I thought yeah, it is. I it, did it, see it, it in certainly, theaters. I, as someone who owns Gravity, I can tell you it loses something at the home theater experience. It I truly also, does. I also sell it in theaters, but I guess I sort of resent people portraying it as entirely some like altruistic or experiential thing when it is as much a corporate product and a money-making concern as anything else. Well, sure, everything. Chris, this is a capitalist sure, society. Everything is about making money. But what I'm saying is, it still, it doesn't matter. That that part of it doesn't matter. It's less about who's putting up the money to make this sort of thing. It's also like, listen, I'm not I, like, and I'm not accusing you of anything in particular, but... It sounds like it. <laughs> and elitist is not the right word for this, but I don't know what the right word is. Elitist is closest. But it's a bit elitist to say that because some people didn't have the opportunity to see it in theaters. And are you going to tell those people that like, they'll just never, they'll never get to know no, of course not. But I am saying that, like, it's certainly different. That That is, like, unquestionably true. It's unquestionably different seeing something in a movie theater versus seeing it in your home or seeing it on your iPad or what have you. And I'm not saying that that's bad. I'm just saying it is totally different. I think it's the same thing as, like, looking at a picture of a painting versus seeing a painting in yeah. real life. I suppose. But I think that, like, time and circumstance is only, like, one factor of what makes seeing a movie good. And there are other factors that you're not like there are like other factors that make that may have made seeing gravity at home better for someone else i don't know i'm just i'm just i'm not trying to yeah no i guess so although like if if i were to to argue your point i would say i would want to meet the person who thinks that gravity was a better experience at home on their tv like if they saw in both places yeah like like unless they were like getting a bj when they were at home (laughs) watching it (laughs) and not getting one in theaters that was the factor i was alluding to the bj bj factor you can't get a bj well, without getting a re- without yeah, there you go. You got to be careful, and you yeah. got to bring a big coat and a little friend. <laughs> <laughs> that almost feels positively retro, doesn't it? Uh, yes, of like masturbating in a theater, yeah. Yeah. Or yeah. A Who does that? It's so quaint. I just mean like even just the idea of. I'm going to do something sexual in this movie theater it feels so like I don't know it just it feels so like when they when they would play porno I mean porno theaters still do exist I've never been to one they must but be like, much rarer like, it's like, uh, some um, movies like again your current yeah but like, like they still have them but like, I agree it's nuts but I'm sorry for serious I'm like your current like uh, the fact what's going on in your life can greatly affect your oh of course it can there are many things yeah so like if you saw like gravity isn't about the death of a loved one but if you mm. saw a movie about death of a loved one and you recently had death of a loved one her daughter is dead in the movie it would is it yeah that's like one of the things that her daughter has died right i forget in gravity yeah or her husband something uh it is her daughter her daughter is dead yeah they allude to that it's been a while since i've seen it because i can't go back to the theaters (laughs) sorry lee what were you saying about that movie about death of a loved one um but like if you i'm saying if you'd seen if you went to see one it would definitely hit you differently than if you oh sure of course so like yeah i'm just saying there are other things like i'm it all is a way of saying that like Yes, and some things, again, I think that movie theaters should continue to exist. I think for, again, I talked about, like, the cultural village. I do think that, yes, for for big experience, for, like, I, I think Top Gun Maverick was another example of, like, God, that was fun to see on a, just a big, massive screen. Right. Um, and I think that's fine, but I don't think 
that that should be the be-all and end-all of movies. I agree. I don't necessarily either, but I do think that movie-going is an inherently, like, kind of a communal experience in some in some ways, especially if you have a comedy or something, too. Mm. I feel like if you have a comedy, it's more enjoyable to watch with other people, whether you're watching that at home with other people yeah. or not. But I mean, like, it's just a more pleasurable experience with other people, like, reacting to things, too. Well, I would agree, but, like, again, I only see movies in theaters if other people have said do you want to go see this movie mm-hmm. yeah or if i've said do you want to go see this movie and people have said yes i've thought about that too by the way of just like i find i tend to enjoy comedies more when there's someone else even just one other person yeah no i think because that's definitely true i think there are probably some other people who are not like this but i don't tend to laugh out loud at things if i'm consuming it alone no if i'm by myself like it has to be pretty fucking funny right. like it's more like i'm laughing internally right if i watch something like if i'm watching a stand-up by myself I'm just like mm-hmm. but it's not like a conscious choice it's not like i'm sitting there like there's no one here i shouldn't laugh or you i'm not weird. like i'm not consciously <laughs> pushing the laugh in i fucking crack myself up all the time by myself I, 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 that's wonderful <laughs> i'm gonna do that I crack myself up with my own You're thoughts in my mind, and I will, like, laugh out loud at Often it. laughs herself to sleep I, I mean, I also TV. yell at my computer monitor, whether it's a TV show I'm watching. Yes, you As do. if it's, like, I yell at the characters like I'm watching a sports game. Like, why are you doing that? Or a video game. Or a video game, I'll yell. I mean, I obviously yell at video games. But, I, yeah, I agree. Like, it is, they're fun with people, but, again, I don't, I'm not saying that, uh... I don't go to things by myself. Like, I don't go to movie theaters by myself. I don't get it. I guess I don't get the point of going with, like, a with a room full of strangers. I mean, I do because it's a movie I want to see. I, I know some people who, yeah. like, I am not I don't someone. Do, I don't do it often, but every now and then yeah. I do. It's not like, I, it's just, I don't feel like I don't want to go see a movie alone. Like, I think in my mind it's just, like, a social activity, but... I know people. I know many people who will do that. Yeah, just like I don't think that's I think a regular thing. I don't think it's normal or not normal one way or the other. Right. But for me, if it's like a choice between going to see a movie in a theater with strangers or watching it at home alone, I watch it at home alone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're just gonna pop in Home Alone. And just watch yeah. that. So you're just you're just supposed to watch is, Home Alone. When I'm watching it at Home Alone, I can do all the things that I normally do, like right. yell at the screen and right. yell at the characters right. and say, "Oh my god, I can't believe he did it. He admitted." <laughs> He loves his yeah. mother-in-law. That insufferable person at the theater. Don't go in there. Yeah, basically. But I, uh, you know, I, like I'm not interrupting any. I'm not interfering with anyone else when I do it at home. And it, for me, it enhances it. It's fun. <laughs> I think it's fun. I like it. If you ask me, I like it more. <laughs> yeah, I think it's rather Whereas, good. If I see a movie in theaters and anyone so much as looks at me as if they're about to say something, I get immediately stressed out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's I mean, that's also like a whole other kind of issue, like the devolution of manners on a public forum. You know, we're just like yeah. people now think that it's okay to just like say went, whatever they want. I've seen a few articles about that recently. Uh, Will you see the Bodyguard musical that I tell you to be sure? Oh, that? I heard. I, mean, I don't know if you shared, but I've heard. Yeah, I of course heard I've heard. That. Which is just, it's also did you like see the clips. Yeah, yeah, I did. Ah! I mean, oh, it's, wild. it's insane. It completely I mean, wild. there's a lot of things that play here. Like one, that's why just one, I don't want to see jukebox musicals. Two, yeah. I don't want to see fucking Bodyguard the musical. It just like oh. I mean, that's one of those like because I remember when um there was this article on the roots when um Ain't Too Proud the Temptations musical was on Broadway. Uh, several years ago and the author like went there with her mother and the mother was singing along to the songs and someone told the mother to stop singing and the woman right there was like i can't believe someone shushed my mother and i realized that there are cultural aspects to this at play but 
on the other hand, I didn't pay $200 to right. hear your mom sing along with the people. Like, if they say at the end, and now everybody sing along with us, then, like, yeah. fucking fine. Sing along. And I don't there, care. There are some... Shows make it very clear when you're supposed to participate, if that is the kind of show they are. Like, yeah. you are well aware. Like, if you go to Tony and Tina's wedding, you are meant to participate in that. Yes. When you go to see Mamma Mia, you are meant to a certain extent to participate in that. But I think... I, I, be- I think in general, like, we as a people have lost sight of the social con- contract, and we just don't know. Like, we think whatever we feel like doing in public is fine. Yeah. And then if anyone tells you no, how The it? pandemic really... Yeah, like, COVID like, was kind of like the nail in the coffin yeah. for, like, public decency. <laughs> it just t- it regressed our story. Like, it truly did. Like, when we emerged from it, we forgot how to, like, be in a room we with like, other people. Semi-feral. And then, like, you should <laughs> shut up sometimes and not say things. Like, it's okay. You don't have to remark every single time something happens. Like, wow, like, I can't believe that just happened. <laughs> or, like, she's going to do the thing. They were roommates. Yes, yes. What did that person say when I said, what did that person say? <laughs> <laughs> All right. My hot take is over. All right. So, shall I? I yeah. Can okay. I'm trying to figure out a way to, like, phrase this I'm aggressively. Also, I'm stuck on trying to figure out the most aggressive yeah. phrase. Oh, yours was fantastic. That was good. Um, that was, honestly, it felt like you dropped a hammer, and it was, <laughs> it was great. I guess the way to do this, and this is something I've also kind of talked about on here before. So, I have one that I feel that I could talk about. Another one I'll throw in at the end real quick, just as, like, a minor thing that I don't really have enough to back up. Mm-hmm. But, so, I guess my hot take is that I think people have a real bug up their asses about planning out things for, say, several movies or several seasons <laughs> or something like that. I think that, like, like the idea that, you know, like... Yeah, like having if, an endpoint. Right, stands. if you're doing three movies, like, you need to know going into it what's all happening. Now, I think... To be fair, I think you should have some idea. I think there should be some vague idea. And I think also if it's your job to oversee these movies, then maybe you need to have a vague idea about where you want things to go to influence it. But I think it's absolutely insert, like absurd that people are like, the problem with X is that they didn't plan it out from right. start to finish, which is insane. We never used to do that. The only time, like maybe people writing books did that, but this was simply not something we did with movies, you know? Like I brought up this example before where I talk about the original Star Wars trilogy where mm-hmm. people were like, like we're... George Lucas claims he had the whole fucking thing planned out from toe to tip. There's no way. 100% did not. 100% There's not no the way. case. He did not. And th- then it, like, kind of became this, like, thing that the creators of, like, a media property should do. Where you have to say, like, yes, I had the entire thing planned this whole time. Because <laughs> it makes you sound really smart and really talented. And I think, like, like you, you know, and then you look at something like... George R. R. Martin, where it's like, I'm sure he knows where this story is going to, but I think he also got so thrown by everything happening that he, like, doesn't know how to get there anymore. He gets so, sidetracked very Right, so I'm just saying, like, like, I'm sure he's planned out what he thinks is happening, but when he actually executed it, he realized, like, oh, there are other things I kind of want to deal with right now. I think is part of the bug up of people's asses about this having, and I think this is over a long period of time, but, like, there have been several of these very zeitgeisty popular shows mm-hmm. that then majorly well, fumbled the bag when they evidently have painted themselves, written themselves into a corner and they don't know how to resolve it. it. Is- so like Battlestar Galactica, Lost did this, Game of Thrones. Yeah. Um, so I think there's this idea of like, okay, what do they need to well, do I, to avoid that? You're right. And I think there's a difference though between 
I know where this is going, and I have every single moment. Right. Though so also, I would argue that there's probably a difference between something like Lost and Game of Thrones. Where with Game of Thrones, I do believe they had an endpoint. Like again, like I do believe that at some point George R. R. Martin probably said like, okay, so at the end, I don't know, Daenerys is going to die, Bran is going to be the king. Like this, this, and this is going to happen. It's a dumbass endpoint. Right. But, <laughs> and, but and I think the showrunners then were also kind of like, yeah. fucking how do we for Game of Thrones? Just by the way, but right. But I think bad. the showrunners were also like, but how do we get to there? And kind of threw their hands up, like, barrel forward as fast as we can, versus something like Lost, which I've never watched Lost, I only know broad strokes about Lost, but, but like, my thought with Lost is that perhaps they probably really did not know where they were going to go with that show whatsoever, whereas with Game of Thrones, they had, like, an endpoint, they just weren't sure how to get there, and I think that's the difference, and then contrary-wise, you might have something like How I Met Your Mother, where you have an endpoint in mind, and then as you start to approach that endpoint, you realize, like, perhaps we shouldn't adhere to the endpoint, but then they, like, barrel down on, like, nope, this is the end, and this is what's gonna happen. I kind of tried to do both in an awkward way. With How I Met Your Mother? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, a little bit. It's like, we're really setting up Robin. We're still going to bring you to the mother. Mm-hmm. But right. by the time we're reaching that point, you don't care because she's not around. She's not really a character. Well, no, 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 no. I think contrary-wise, my argument is always that, like, I think they surprisingly did a very good job of making the mother into a believable character. Mm-hmm. I think the mother was an interesting character, like, and uh, a lot of that credit should go to Christina. Christina Milioti, right, right, who I think did a terrific job in that show of, like, playing, like, this this built-up holy person whom we had never seen and what? still making her feel like a, a believable person. Why is she out of the picture? Is she dead or divorced? She dies. Okay. And so that's how that's how they do the like have your cake and eat it too thing where it's like yeah. you met the mother but now you're free to get with Robin at the end and it's just like no I, one well, I think that, that that's something that, that, yeah. pretty, that was pretty stupid yeah and I think it also when you spend like several seasons being like Robin and Barney maybe I was, they were yeah I was yeah. Listen, which I, was I think made a lot of sense and I'm so furious about that yeah still pretty, and, pretty mad right and I can see that there's I kind of checked out that's the thing I I did like remember how it ended but uh-huh. I don't think I was watching it because I just kind of checked out when I realized that it was like. A, what is the main Ted? Ted, yeah. Ted, Robin, Endgame. I was like, fuck this. Right. And I, mean, I feel like that was also a thing where, like, at that point, viewers didn't want that. You know, like, I feel yeah. like if you would pull viewers, most of them, like, we don't want Ted to end up with Robin. We spent, like, all these seasons being like, this is not the end game for you. This is so, not what you should want. So was it, was How I Met Your Mother, uh-huh. was it originally always going to be Robin? And then they were like, wait, maybe if it's not Robin. My understanding was the thought was always going to be that the mother had died and it was going to be him getting with Robin at the end. But that's the sort of thing that like maybe you can pull off if you do like a three or four season show, you know? Yeah. But when you spend, what was it, like nine seasons? Right. And yeah, and then you also spend time like getting Robin with another character who she works really well with. Well, I meant Barney in particular, who she was working really well with. And then you have like Ted several times because this is like 21 episodes per season has to realize I'm not meant to be with Robin. And at the end, it's like, ah, just kidding, buddy. Get with her. Yeah. Go I, for it. Here's the thing. I think we're talking about so many different beasts here. I think there's a huge yeah. difference between an American TV show, which is meant to go on fucking indefinitely. Right. Although less so nowadays. Right. And I would, less so nowadays. Right. But I would also say that there's, this, then again, a difference between something like, I don't know, like, say, Frasier and How I Met Your Mother, where How I Met Your Mother always is building to this idea that, like, you don't know who the mother yeah. is. Winky, well, there's, winky. There's different styles of right. sitcom and such, right? And Frasier's more um, episodic. Right. And How I Met Your Mother has, like, a bit more of a, a long-term arc. Um, and some are quite serial, and you really don't work out of order. Yeah. But you have that type of show, and a sh- or even, and I would also include hour-long dramas in this that are just, like, whether whatever they're meant to be about, they're, they're 
they go on as long as people will see them. Right. Yeah. And it's like until and if you're procedural, that's fine. We right. don't care because we're there's right. There, there's always going to be a new crime for you to solve. Yeah, if this you're week. building any kind of sense of art or continuity that you're meant to be tracking, it's yeah. But that's and you set up expectations through that continuity. Yeah, but that's very different from. The, the new Star Wars trilogy, where it was like, right. we know we have three movies. Mm. We, ha- we like, have no idea what's happening. It's them. really baffling. I don't think that they needed to figure this out, but there needed to be... <laughs> someone needed to talk to somebody at some point. I mean, my, my as I've said before, my qualm with Star Wars mostly just that, like, I feel like the first two follow each other pretty well. Like, yeah. I feel like, th- like that makes sense. And then when you get to the third one, it's like... Well, because Anything fucking it was goes so here. reactive right. to... Right, And I mean, that's partly why, it's right? It's so much of its yeah. runtime walking back. Like, apologizing. But I think the the part that where it lost me in that specifically was it was apologizing and walking back the shit I liked about right. The Last Jedi. And, yeah. like, also, what I, I, I think you can certainly write a sequel to a movie without really having any involvement with the first. Like, I don't think that's an impossible ask. And I don't even think it's an impossible ask... When there are when when you say from the get go we have three movies this is what we're doing like I think that a talented writer should be able to go in look at the first movie look yeah, at the well, characters it has to and be themes done. right yeah you can't do it like until the movie's in the can you cannot write the sequel right like you because you don't know you know what edits they're going to be so you you at least need a complete like this is immutable. This is an immutable script right. at this point, yeah. so you can now write the sequel. Yeah, and like I said, I think if you if you have a talented enough writer, they can look at that and be like, I think we should go in this direction, right. yeah. and it still makes perfect sense. Yeah. I do think that there should be one person... Uh, that I, I don't, I'm sure there is, but I don't know what they were doing, but um, there should be one person who's like in charge of cohesiveness. Yes. Like, yeah. I mean, I also think... So, like, I, I feel like the thing that always got brought up for a long time online was, like... And, like, if you look at Marvel, all those movies were leading to Avengers Endgame. And, like, yeah, sure, in the sense that Thanos was the Endgame. In the sense that yeah. they knew that, like, it was going to involve this big purple space guy and the Infinity Stones. Like, that's what they knew. If you look back on those movies, there are certainly plot points that get dropped yeah. and thrown in. So, like, there's always things that never work. And it's just this sort of selective... And they selective... don't work on their own. Right. I mean, right. It's also this sort of selective bias for you to, like, you know, ignore, cover one eye with one hand to be like, yeah. like I'm not going to pay attention to the stuff that if they you, didn't address. Like, you can right. watch an, some of the MCU films on their own, but there's always going to be something that, like, is purely there to set something else up. And right. you're just there for that movie, you're like, eh? Yeah. I... I I hate that. I think it makes their movies so much less accessible. That I, I get why because these are less meant. These aren't really meant to be art pieces. Meant to be enjoyed this... in and of themselves. They're yeah, products I don't, I that are meant to drive what... you to the other products. Yeah, but I, I hate that. I hate that setup. So I don't much. know what better alternative to that is though. If they, it doesn't they bother it, me. I don't know. That it never doesn't bother me that me. much. Like yeah. I don't. Like the thing is, that's what they want to do, and they want to tell these stories that, for the most part, are working for the audiences. Like yeah. they, people like these big. You know, the fans of them enjoy. That all of these movies connect, yeah, and that's because they're comic book fans, and that's what comic fans right. Are comic, and that's what all comic books are. Are like it's, it's just like, right, like it's just like a footnote where someone will say like, "See issue yeah. twenty-seven, like yeah. linked up stories and stuff." And so, if that's working, then that's great, and it just means that casual viewers who are just here for like a movie now and then or occasionally going to be like flummoxed right where like some guy shows up and someone's like oh well they were in the TV show yeah and I see it and I'm like I mean I watched even like my parents watched The Mandalorian Uh and and, like they have no idea who Bo-Katan is right because that was all dealt with in Book of Boba Fett right well, what do you mean? Uh, well, no. The thing that you're thinking of was, like, the weird Grogu yeah. reappearance. But, uh, but Lee is saying, like, Bo-Katan. It doesn't matter that her parents yeah. don't know who Bo-Katan is, because all you need to know for the point of the Mandalorian are things that are explained in the right. show about Bo-Katan. She's another Mandalorian. Right. She's, yeah. She takes well, like, her helmet off because she's not, when like... Rosario Dawson shows up, and it's like, who's that? And I'm like, all you need to know is it's a Jedi. Right. 
I, I would say, yeah, like, I... contrary-wise, I think there are times when it does that less effectively, like, when it had the character Cad Bane show up, and it was just kind of like, this just feels like it's there for, like, uh, yeah. Cad Bane. he was just Bane a blue service. bounty hunter. Yeah, this just feels like it's there, so a bunch of nerds can do the Leo gif of, like, pointing at the screen there and is. being like, this thing! <laughs> which, you know, that's that's a whole other issue, which yeah. doesn't even necessarily but, tie into my point. But. Okay, my, my my macro point to this that I I sort of just, to say that we just got sidetracked by a bunch of all these different things we're talking yeah. about. It's different. So you got the TV shows, you got the sitcoms, you got the movies... Um, is that there? I think they all require a different type of mindset and planning. Yeah, of level. course. Like again, I think you you need to like you need to be way more flexible on an American broadcast TV show where you've no idea, you've no idea, you've caught like maybe you have an end goal, but you have to be prepared to adjust that heavily. Right. If yeah. your show is massively successful, like I Met Your Mother, and you thought. Eh, three to four seasons, and then they'll we'll get to Robin. That's like, right, and then like you keep going on and on yeah. and on. You have to be prepared to be like, you know what? It no longer makes sense for it to be Robin. You right. have to be able to make. We that need choice. a new direction. Right. I mean, like that's that's yeah. the thing more than ever. I think that like, that's the key point more than like you must have things planned out. It's just that like you need people who are talented enough to know where things are heading, and when you have to step back and be like, actually, our initial plan isn't working. Yeah. Let's rep- like approach know, this from a different angle. So K dramas, right? Where I watch, right? They're all like you do. <laughs> shut up. They're, they're like, the vast majority of them are just one and done. One series, yeah, 12 sure. to 16 episodes. Right. And you would think that they they write it all and it's done. That's not the case. They start writing and they start filming them. Mm-hmm. And then they start airing them and they will see what people respond to. And so they're still in, they're still writing and shooting. Yes. As it will make, as sometimes it's they make drastic changes. Wow. If like, so if people react really well to like a side character... Sometimes they will increase that character's screen time and give him more more things to do. I have mixed thoughts about that as a I concept. mean, I can only imagine what an insane work. It sounds nuts to me. Yeah. Like. like, on the one hand, I get that you as a creator want to, like, if something is working, you want to be like, yeah, let's lean on this thing. It. But yeah. on the other hand, I feel like basically... You, you know, it, it's sort of just below handing every one in the viewing audience a survey and being like, what do you want to see more of on it the show that you like, like? I think it's part of it is... It's very easy for them to access, like, netizen, like, reactions in Korea based on, like, all the social networking stuff they have down there. And, like, so, yeah, they just pay attention to, like, ratings and, like, what people seem to react to. And, you know, or they just might start playing out the story and they just might, the writer or the director might be like, eh, I kind of like this better. Let's Mm -hmm. do this instead. Yeah. And they'll change things. And sometimes uh, if your show is very good, you might get, like... If it's a 16-episode show, they might be like, hey, do two more episodes. Uh-huh. Get a little boost. And then it's like, you have to do two more episodes of plot. What do you do? Then you have that? to do the Ted Lasso Christmas episode. Basically. <laughs> it's almost a little bit like, at a certain point then, it's like you, a creator, are not writing your own story. You are just writing their fan fiction. Right. And so, and, and I feel like like that's all... There, there was another vague idea I had for it is that like fandoms are all terrible and like they should cease to exist yeah. was a concept for a hot take because it, is, it does feel kind of like at a certain point it's less that you are writing a show and more like fans demand X they want to see X and if they don't see X they'll be very mad online so like yeah. you better make sure that you give them X yeah. or they'll never shut up about it and like that's that's a whole other issue how much I fucking hate most fandoms now at this point yeah. my other vague hot take that I'll just throw out real quick before we bump to Chris um, that I don't really again like I said have enough discussion to back up is that I think we're too fucking precious about canonicity. Yes! 
Like, like, an example. Like, like, like keeping to a canon or something okay. like that. Like in a fictional universe, if you establish, you know, so-and-so is from the planet X, and then someone comes oh. along later and say, actually, they're from planet Y. And you're like, well, well, okay, they were born on X, and then they moved to Y when they were two years old, and so culturally they're more of a fan of planet Y, even though they were born on planet X. Yeah. It's just kind of like, it's fine, guys. It's, it's fine. okay. We can just ignore. It's be, like, yeah. I think I was reading it like some Star Trek theme discussion or something like that, where it had something to do with... I uh, can only imagine the yeah. pantry that happens. I truly can't remember like what the discussion was even I think it had something to do with like because there, there's like this whole thing in Star Trek where ships can't fire when they're cloaked uh, and it's literally just oh, in there this oh is sounding God. so familiar well I don't know the, why you would know this but like this I think is, I heard Christian mention this before I think Maybe. so yeah okay right, well so this is the thing and it's literally only there so that for story purposes you can't just have someone swoop in invisibly <laughs> be like pew 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 and disappear and everyone would be like what just happened here yeah. and so like it's only there because you don't want that to happen but you know it becomes this whole thing now where it's like well there were two incidents where someone did it when they were cloaked and now we have to figure out like how they did it when they were cloaked and well maybe the guns were kind of beyond the cloak and that's why they can't do it because if they were behind the cloak then it's actually like all these matter particles are going through and you'd be shooting off in different directions just kind of like fucking accept it it's fine like like it's it, a good nerd voice yeah that was uh, thank you the speed and the kind of like flat the alternative to the nasal voice actually it is almost like it's a refusal to kind of see what you're consuming as a fiction or as a constructed story in right. which there are choices you make to serve that story and it's not going to always equal a consistent reality on right. part with the one you live in. And I think that also maybe ties in a little bit to fandom where the idea for some of this like precious adherence to canonicity is the sense that like well I've spent my entire life reading every right. source material related to this thing so like I know the thing and if you right. change the thing that means that I've wasted my time doing it and that makes me I, very to mad. some extent they know better than the creator about yeah, this thing there's that too I see the canon thing two ways I mm -hmm. see it as like I think we should be fine with changing things and recording things and updating things mm -hmm. but I also think uh, it can be fun and if it is fun for people and it's not like somebody being like toxic or gatekeepy or like right. obsessive um, it can be fun to do the math and the and the calculus. Oh yeah, no, no, and I'm not saying that like to be fair, can happen. right? No, and I think that like if you want to spend time debating about how you can fire a gun while your ship is yeah. plugged, great. Like if you come up with a logical reasoning for why that is, then it. that's terrific. Yeah. I'm if glad that you did this. If somebody's fun, then I'm not going to stop. Right. That. If it like, I, yeah. I guess I'm also kind of thinking a little bit last night where it's like, but how could Admiral Holdo have launched the ship into oh, yeah, the other yeah, ship? Yeah. Which is like she did. Who cares? She did it. I don't like, care. I was, just saw her do it. it was that's how great, I know she did it. It was a great fucking image. Also. And this is a totally different topic, but I really doubt some people would have an issue with that if it was a man. Well, I mean, maybe. <laughs> but I, I, I think also fanboys are just angry little yeah. shits to be with. But, like, also it's just like, like in Star Wars, it's, like, not science fiction it's in the strictest fantasy. sense. Right, so, like, it's not like George Lucas ever went out and was like, here's what shields are like, and here's what they do, and here's what you can't do with shields. Like, they're shields. I don't know how right. they work. They're shields. But, like, I was doing a thing recently where I have this, like, in-progress novel that I always want to finish that's, like, a Sherlock Holmes pastiche thing. Mm -hmm. And because it incorporates, like, uh, two different characters, which is H.R. Office and Sherlock Holmes, I have to come up with this, like, crazy timeline where I, mm -hmm. like... I basically take the publication dates of all the stories as like when they happen. When they happen? No, no, as in they can't happen earlier than the publication okay, date. Right. After that, it's my decision. Okay. Like maybe it happened four years before the publication date, and Watson waited four years yeah. or whatever. But like basically, I was like, I wanted to like get to like 1906, and I wanted the characters to be of a desired age. So I did a mixture of like I did a mixture of A and B. What we we're talking about? I did a mixture of retconning mm -hmm. because like you can. There's not really like solid dates for like when these characters were born. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just gonna say that they're really young compared to what they usually might be yeah. considered, so that they can be a little bit younger in 1906. 
Um, and also, like, I'm gonna, like, take these publication dates as, like, just the minimum date that this story has to happen and not, or the maximum date, rather, whatever I mean. Um, like, it couldn't, it couldn't have happened after that date, right. basically. Um, because it was published in 1886, so right. how could it have happened in 1887? Right. Um, and that's all, and I have this, like, sheet of, like, so this is, this is the date it was published, this is the date that I'm saying it took place, this is the date that the story says it takes place, because sometimes it will say in the story when it takes place. Mm. And I had a lot of fun making that spreadsheet. I don't remember anything about it now. I look at it now and I'm like, when did I do all this research? <laughs> it is like a little like, like, oh, thank God past me did all this research because now I'm like, how did I even find this out? <laughs> like, how did I find out when this story was published and like how old? And, like I found out when like certain characters were mentioned by name in certain books. Anyway, it was a fun little project, but it's, it's, just an example, like you don't have to take everything as gospel because right. I only took that one thing, and then everyone, and then at a certain point, I was like, "Fuck it, I think this thing says that Sherlock Holmes was born in seventy six, but I'm gonna say he was born in eighteen eighty. Why not? Yeah, why yeah. not? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, like I'm just gonna make up my own date. I mean, what, what's gonna happen? The continuity police are gonna come for you. Yeah, yeah. Drag her away. Eighteen is way too late, by the way. They'd be like twenty. <laughs> he'd be like sixteen when he'd be a little baby. Yeah, he would be tiny when, when you study it. And study I, I don't know what. I don't, I don't have this bridge in front of me, but it definitely was probably the sixties or the fifties or something. I think, I think this is where I've landed in the most aggressive way to put this. I need like a five-year moratorium on CGI. I think it usually it tends to look shitty. I it's usually very easy to notice. I don't mind it if it's used to like touch up practical effects, but I think mostly it usually looks like crap because the team creating it has been crunched and given an amount of time to animate and create all of these things that is just not enough time to do it. And then we get these high huge inflated budget disasters like Cats, for example, where everything just looks like absolute shit. Or um, there was that movie from the Rooster Brothers that did like gangbusters allegedly on Netflix, The Gray Man. That movie is tough to watch because it's CG all over the place, but it's like... The Gray Man is the CGI? There's a lot of it. Um, I didn't know. I just thought it was... And it all just looks very bad. It's an action movie, right? It's yes. just that they're using CGI for the action. It... Yes, but there's a lot... <sighs> It has to be seen to be believed. It's like the most. That's okay. <laughs> it's extremely boring, so yeah. I don't. It's I don't not. Blame gonna, you. It's not going to happen. Like you see, like Chris Evans, it does a villain turn, and that's like kind of that's kind of interesting. But it, it everything else about it really sucks. Um, but it's just VFX artists are usually underpaid and like comically overburdened, and given no time to produce these images that are really central and important for a movie to succeed, and. It's reflective to me of a culture where we stop seeing movies as an art object in and of itself and more of just a product. And when you look at it that way, you think about it more capitalistically, which is... This is why cinema should die. I want, this, I want this to take no time but be perfect. And it's, it's nuts to me. Like, I thought it was bullshit that James Corden and um, uh, Rebel Wilson got up in Cats outfits... Uh, during the was it the Oscars or the, the Golden Oscar. Globes? I think it was the Oscars. I don't remember. And made some crack about how, like, and we know... Like, why it's important to have have good VFX artists. And I'm like, it's not their fucking fault. It's, I mean, did you ask, and especially in that situation where Hooper would not let anyone wear mocap at all. Okay, I I mean, I'm also going to just say this just as, I know this is not your argument, but just as a quick counter argument, there's no fucking way in hell those cats would ever look good in cats. I know. I'm I'm just saying that, like, that was such a woeful miscalculation from the start that Mm -hmm. even if they had years and the best it would still look like shit. 
But, but I, that's just what I want to throw out there real quick. Well, but then also, like, there's times where, like, a hand wouldn't be animated or an entire face or a part of the body wouldn't. And it was because, without any mocap, they had to hair by hair animate it on every single body in every single frame. And... That's just an insane expectation to be operating on. So, no, I I mean, what they should have done was just... Not stick. made a movie about cats? Of course not. Yes. But if there's a gun to your head, I guess what I would do is... I'm just like... I mean, the Lycra jumpsuits are really entertaining. Let's just stay there. Like, it's fine, I mean, it's there's fine, a guy in my head. It would have been 2D animated. The, the amount of shit... Ooh, like the Amblin one that was yeah, almost like there. That one. Sorry, Lee, the what shit you that, like, we get up to in The Masked Singer, and we can't do that for... A cat's movie. Right. I mean, I think the, the issue with that is there is just that, like, oh, but, like, CGI is impressive. That's, like... It's not. I know, it's not. But I think that's what studios think. Because oh. studios are, like, usually, what, like, 20 years behind the yeah, time. Yeah. Like, you know, I will argue that there is, like, a resurgence to practical effects recently. Uh, a lot of the D&D characters it. are done in practical effects. Like the tabaxi and the aracocra. In the, the movie. movie. Yeah. That's exciting. Um, Wait, so that's practical? I've you think seen, it's yeah. like CG juice? There might be enhanced, but like I, I've seen a lot of t- behind the scenes TikToks of well, an Aracocra where it's just like guy with a big bird head and the wings that come out. And, yeah, and I love that. that. It looks pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with Lee in that sense also, and that I think that probably most non superhero franchises sort of see the value of using both, I think. Um, at least in more effective ways. Right. I mean, there are certainly, you know, arguments to the contrary, like you had said with, like, Grey Man. There are plenty of, I'm sure, like, movies that are just basically filmed on a green screen mm-hmm. where it's like, we don't have to go to Paris. We can just plot Paris. And Episodes after the 1 through 3 of Star Wars. Right. So you have that. And then, like, contrarialize the other swing of the pendulum is, like, when they did the sequel trilogy, it's like, oh, BB-8 is a puppet. He's a physical robot. Versus, like you know, that. the CGI R2-D2 or right. something like that. So right. I, I do think that there is a little bit of an acknowledgement that, oh, practical effects have their place too, and we can sort of stick with them. And I think, you know, by and large, the movies that look best are the ones that know what to do when you're doing it. You know, like, you know that this can be a practical effect, this can be a practical effect that we spruce up a little bit in post with CGI, versus this element, which should be entirely CGI. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is is partly that. I mean, it's truly just, I think, mostly the superhero movie that are like every single backdrop CGI you, plates what? characters CGI costumes it, it's happening in more other movies including now and I'm seeing it happen a lot more in spy thrillers which is why I brought up the gray man I, I guess watched, I guess I don't watch enough of them. I watched uh, this was another Netflix one and I mean maybe sucked, again maybe this is a Netflix could also be a Netflix yeah. problem I watched Ghosted, which is um, Anna de Armas. Oh, is that supposed to be Chris terrible? Evans. It is so terrible yeah. like I would even imagine that the script was written by an AI but like <laughs> Every single background in that movie was CG. Yeah. Even when it was just like they're in a city, CG. They're on a rooftop, CG. They're in a harbor, CG. And it's so glaringly obvious. And I'm not saying everyone needs to like shoot on location or else, but I'm just like, if if this is what we want to do, if we want to put CG in everything then let the fucking VFX people have a union and give them more power. Well, right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, so, maybe if we get lucky and the VFX teams all unionize, then just, we'll have less CGI. Just, how about you not just lock them in a closet and give them impossible circumstances to get their job done? That's why the CG looks like shit. It's not that the artists are untalented. It's they're put in an untenable situation. So to be specific, is your problem that, or does it also extend to, like, Hotel Transylvania? 
Oh, no. I mean... So not like a CGI animated Like an animated... Movie. Are you no, I, I don't have a problem with that. Okay, well, I'm... I mean, I have a little bit of a problem in the sense that I feel bad that we kind of threw out 2D animation oh, entirely. Oh, and, like, and hand-drawn. Yeah. I have a that's, problem that's with... That's my I agree with that. Yeah. I, mean, I have a problem with the ubiquitous... Not ubiquitousness, but the, like... Well, just the, the sameness. Kind of the, it's the yeah. sameness. Yeah, no, I agree. CGI. Yeah, they, Especially because everyone... It's a lot of blob. Well, I, I think it's also just the idea is that, like, at first the idea with CGI is, like look how photorealistic we can be. And then it was like, we must be photorealistic right. to a certain yeah. point. It's like, you can't there be is... abstract. Like, the closest thing we really got to that on a major scale is probably Spider-Man, right? There's a lack of diversity in, like, CGI animation styles. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, they, yeah I agree. That upsets me. And yeah. Yeah. What upsets me more, and I guess, like, if we didn't get this in 3D, we'd be getting them in 2D, but it's the trash stuff we get from studio. Right. And I mean, the thing is, again, the like you said, we've always had that trash. We just yeah. tend to forget about, like, a troll in Central Park or Rock <laughs> Digital, you know? It's like, <laughs> I didn't forget <laughs> I close my eyes at night and I see Rockadoodle. What a terrible, I see Christopher Plummer as the Grand Duke oh Owl. What a terrible curse that would be that whenever you close your <laughs> you eyes, Rockadoodle's playing. playing. <laughs> anyway, I do. I mean, yeah, I, I do think we tend to sort of sweep the, the, you know, and it is probably the same sort of thing. We're like twenty years from now, like some of these crappy movies. Just it's be like forgotten by right, time. like no, like they'll, they'll be fucking weirdos on whatever TikTok replacement is being like hot take. This is a great movie, like yeah. this piece of shit. Right. From maybe I worry. Maybe, maybe I worry too much about like my new, my new fling seeing that shit, but I do. Worry I understand. Like, fucking watching Sing Three and all right. this yeah. trash. I mean, I get that too, right? Like, and it's also it also feels like sort of. There's like an attention span thing at play, kind of too, or something like I've never seen the Sing movies, but I assume it's, it's just a movie singing. Right, that's yeah. what I assume. It's I assume that like of... there's not a plot that you have to watch, so like you're not rewarded for paying attention to it. Yeah. And I sort of feel like that's kind of you know that's probably like another larger issue to deal with. Where I feel like attention spans are considerably shorter now for children, and so if you don't, if you're not just playing five minute things one after the other, oh they're just not going to. I care. mean, they do like I mean, obviously, YouTube Kids is 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 it's. YouTube, yeah, yeah, YouTube yeah, kids, yeah, yeah. that's kind of, that t- like weirdly terrifies right. me whenever I go to restaurants and how many kids I see with iPads, yeah. they just like throw the iPad in front yeah. of them like, yeah. here, just watch this. And it's usually just like some computer smashed together these like awkwardly animated, right. uh, recognizable see, figures from this and that The stuff property. that I've heard makes me sick. I know, yeah. it's really weird. It's, it's bad. They're like nightmarish to yeah. watch. It's just one of those yeah. things where it's like, I'm glad I won't have to deal with this issue, you know? Like, I'm glad that I don't have to yeah. spend time thinking about how to like prevent your kid from turning into a <laughs> Screen or how to frame that I don't for think your that kids. They, I don't think that they care because they're as long as the kids are occupied. I, I mean, I'm sure that's a big part of it. Right? As long yeah. as like they shut up, so you can just have dinner for I, once. One for Christ's sakes, Mindy. One more point that you brought up, I just want to expand on slightly, and yeah. then I and then I will conclude yeah. mine. But when you were talking about just using CG to be really photorealistic, I saw a post a, the, that character poster of Flounder today. Oh, it's bad. It is. He just so looks like bad. He just looks like a, a vaguely fish. heightened fish. Just yeah. looks like a. And I'm like, so we're just going to do what we did with fucking uh, Lion King again. Because Lion King made like a billion dollars. It's so fucking boring. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. Dead eyes of a fish staring at you. No, that's exactly what it looks like. Right, no, it is one of those things like, how can I find this fish lovable? It's a fucking fish. And it's just like, why do we inherently believe that anthropomorphic... I, we have this like ghettoization of 2D animation and of anthropomorphization and even just stylizing an animal. Like we see that as below serious art. And I think it's so ridiculous. I would so much rather see someone's creative take on Flounder than just someone. I mean, and I'm not, I'm not putting it down. Like, yes, it's a great realistic rendering of a, of we a, love the fish. The fish is the problem. Of we could a all fish, agree. fish but, is good. I would be so much more interested to see someone do like their more creative take on what that looks like. 
I want a more lush world than just a CG Maybe recreation of the one I live in. Not make it a fish because fish do not look like cool. They're, listen, they're not yeah. cute. They're You're not right. They're not pets. huggable. You don't want to like hang with a sea, fish. They could have made it a seahorse. You I mean, no. Like honestly, the thing that I like, it could be like her sisters could matter in this one. Like yes! maybe her sisters yeah. could be characters because she has like fucking seven of them, and they don't do shit oh. in the movie. And so, like, if you if you don't want to have like a horrifying realistic CGI fish be her best yeah. friend, like I don't know. Make one of the yeah, sisters I mean, if do you're worried, something. And I, I guess I would all, I would be reasonably worried about having, like, a fucking, like, Roger Rabbit cartoon fish in your, like, otherwise very real-looking world. Yeah. That might also look goofy in a different way. Right. I, would, I, I understand that. Then just don't make it a flounder. Don't yeah. be married to the flounder. Don't wow. make it a fish. <laughs> gotta, gotta stick to that AP, a recognizable right. AP, baby. It's not, though. Yeah. If it looks like a real fish, it doesn't look like flounder. Right. I mean, that's the thing that I always thought about, too, is, like, because I remember, Good like, point. if you came in with a backpack with... 2D animated Simba, I'd be like, oh, hey, that's Simba on your backpack. But if you came with, like, the CGI Simba, I'd be like, that's a fucking lion. Yeah, you got a lion, lion on your backpack. has got, like, fucking a big, fat human face. Right, like, like a, big, a big, big nose. And, yeah. Fish don't have that. Right. Their eyes are, their faces are fucking 2D. Right. Well, and they're also... Yeah. Like the eyes They're are on the flat, side the of the, eyes head. Are on the side. Well, flounder. To be fair, I don't think flounder is a flounder. Flounder seems to be a tropical fish. I don't know why he's That's called flounder. True. But if you look at him, but he's colored with like bright yellow, yellow and blue. And blue. So like I and I realize again that like you know you probably shouldn't call him flounder. Right. But if you look at him, there is nothing about him that looks like a flounder either. Post puberty yeah, or pre puberty, but he's a tropical fish, and most tropical fish have like the sideways. Right? Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you there. Like, yeah, he still, he still, to be fair, doesn't look like a fish. It's just, if you can't look your pet in the eye at this, and you can't, you can only look at one eye, right, at a time. <laughs> maybe, it'll okay. be, maybe it'll be a scene in the movie where Flounder gets mad that Ariel can't choose an eye. <laughs> what if like during she just like has one hand on either side of Flounder, and just like during a conversation, just keeps flipping him around? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that's my hot take. It's not. Yeah. It's a good one. Guys, we yeah. solved all of the problems facing yep. And we're today. done. We, You're welcome, Hollywood, once again. We um we, we we took Lee's suggestion seriously and we put cinema out of its misery. It's yeah. dead, everyone. Yeah. Get a shotgun. Bury it in the back. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'll yell it. Yeah. <laughs> that was fun. Yeah. Alright, guys. Come back at us in two weeks. We will all be dead again. We, we, we like cinema. We'll be dead again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um... Yeah, hit us up on Facebook.com slash WhyWatchPodcast. Yep, DreadPack.com. DreadPack.com. Uh, Apple Podcasts and Stitchy. Bye! Bye!